G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. God is searching right now for someone to use, a man, a woman, a boy, or a girl. He's looking for someone to sort of raise their hand and say, here I am, send me. We may fear we're not qualified or fear we might have to leave our comfort zone. But Pastor Greg Laurie says God can use you. God's saying, who wants to be used by me? Will you raise your hand and say, I do? Or will you hold your hand down? Because God will use you if you will let Him use you. This is the day when the lost are found. Imagine if Billy Graham had decided to stay on his family's dairy farm instead of listening to the call of God? Or if Noah had decided that he really wasn't in the mood to build a boat? What's keeping you from making yourself available? On The New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie brings some good inspiration from his series called World Changes for examining the lives of those in the Bible who brought God's influence to the culture in which they lived. We're learning how we can do the same. about you, but I was not raised in the church, which means I never really knew about a God who loved me and cared about me and had a plan for my life. I'd heard it here and there, but it never seemed to penetrate my youthful mind until one day in 1970, I heard the gospel articulated in a way that I understood, and I believed in Jesus Christ. Okay, so just to think that God in heaven cared about me and loved me and had a plan for my life was mind-blowing, but then I heard that God wanted to use me. Not only that, I heard that God had commanded me to go into all my world and preach the gospel. So as about, I don't know, maybe a two-month-old Christian, I went out looking for someone to share my faith with, and I've told you this story before, and you know it already probably, but in case you don't, I found a middle-aged lady sitting on a beach. I walked up to her cold. I hadn't even memorized the contents of the booklet. I read to her, but much to my shock and delight, when I was done, she said yes, she wanted to believe in Jesus, and we prayed there. You know, she had asked me one even remotely difficult question. I would have collapsed like a house of cards, but she didn't. She was responsive, and and I was excited, and I realized that God wanted to use me. But here's the thing. God wants to use all of us, and here's my challenge for you. It's time to leave our comfort zones and say, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll say whatever you want me to say. I'll go wherever you want me to go for you, because every Christian is called to serve God. It's not just for preachers or missionaries or evangelists or others. Every Christian is called to serve God. I love this passage, Romans 12, 
Starting in verse 4, it says, Just as our bodies have many parts, each one is a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We're all parts of this one body, and each of us has a different work to do. And since we are all one body in Christ, we belong to each other, and each of us needs all the others. Because, it concludes, each of us has been given the ability by God to do certain things well. Here's a mark of spiritual maturity. When you come to church and say, Lord, use me. I don't want to just be ministered to. I want to minister. And I'm telling you, God is looking for people to use right now in that capacity. In Ezekiel 22, God says, I look for someone who might rebuild the wall of righteousness that guards the land. I search for someone to stand in the gap in the wall so I wouldn't destroy the land, but I found none. Think about that. God is searching. Right now, God is searching this room for someone to use. A man, a woman, a boy, or a girl. He's looking for someone to sort of raise their hand and say, here I am, send me. When I'm with my grandkids, I'll always have them raise their hands. Who wants to go out for ice cream? I do, Papa. Their hands will all go up. Okay, then we'll go. God's saying, who wants to be used by me? Will you raise your hand and say, I do, Papa. I do, Father. Or will you hold your hand down? Because God will use you if you will let him use you. Now you might say, well, Greg, you know, you have your super cool pulpit here that you stand behind that lights up, and I don't have a pulpit like that. Well, listen, actually, you do have a pulpit. It doesn't have to be a box like this. A pulpit is a platform. A pulpit is opportunity. A pulpit is your sphere of influence. No matter where you are, if you flip burgers, man, you have a pulpit. If you're a business executive, you have a pulpit. If you're in some other field, you have a pulpit, a musician, whatever it is. I received a letter from a school teacher the other day in a public school, mind you. And I love what he wrote. And here's what he said in the letter. Dear Pastor Greg, I'm a high school teacher in a pretty tough area. As a public school teacher, I have to find creative ways of witnessing the students and sharing the love of Jesus with them because Jesus is a very foreign concept to many of the students here. So I decided to give the students some extra credit assignment over the weekend. They had to watch the Harvest Crusade or go to the crusade in person. And I, I love this guy. I mean, can you imagine? Public school teacher telling the kids for extra credit, go to a Harvest Crusade. So he said they had to do a one-page write-up on it, what they saw and experienced. Well, he says, I'm very happy to report that a few of the students gave their lives to Jesus, and several were just asking me questions, which is an awesome opportunity, he writes, to plant more seeds. The crusade got many of the students thinking about things they had never heard about in their homes. My prayer is that those who saw the crusade and haven't made the decision will make the final decision no matter what. I'll keep in contact with those kids and continue to be a witness to them. And God bless this guy. And God bless every one of you that sees opportunities around you. You know, sometimes people say, I want to go serve the Lord. I feel called to the ministry. Okay, opportunities are everywhere. Jesus said, lift up your eyes. The fields are white unto harvest, but the laborers are few. Now, I know some of you are thinking, oh, please, Greg, you know, I'm not like you. I, I'm not outgoing. I, I don't have the gift of gab. And besides, I've made too many mistakes. So I want to tell you what you're saying. 
Those are excuses. That's all they are. And people often will offer up excuses why they can't be used by God. But if we learn anything from this series in Hebrews 11, we learn that these were super flawed people. They were far from perfect. In fact, they failed often. The folks that we read about here in Hebrews 11 are not there because they were great people. They are there because they had faith in a great God. I mean, consider some of the world changers we've looked at here in Hebrews 11 and in other places of the Bible as well. Remember Abraham? We learned all about him, the father of faith. Well, we know that he lied twice about Sarah being his wife because, well, the man of faith lacked faith. His son Isaac did the same thing. Sarah, his wife, laughed at God's promise and then denied that she laughed. Jacob lied and also connived. Noah got drunk. Samson was a very immoral man. Gideon was afraid. Rahab was a prostitute. Jeremiah and Timothy were too young. David had an affair and was a murderer. Elijah at one point was suicidal. Jonah ran from God. Job went bankrupt. John the Baptist ate bugs. <laughs> and Peter denied Christ. The disciples fell asleep while praying. The Samaritan woman was divorced more than once. Timothy had an ulcer and Lazarus was dead. So what's your excuse? Now think about it. These people messed up. But God gave to them second chances. And that's why I've called this message a second chance for a world changer. You see, maybe you need a second chance. Maybe you've had a lapse of faith. You're like that lady in the commercial. I've fallen and I can't get up, right? Well, you can get up and you can have a second chance and God can use you. Maybe you feel like your story is over because of a mistake you've made or a sin you've committed. But listen, get up and run again. Your story is not over. That's what Hebrews 11 is all about. You're listening to A New Beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie from Harvest Ministries in the US and he's bringing some good news today from his series World Changes, showing us how God truly gives second chances. It's evident in the lives of those that he used to change the world. What is the key to these folks that changed the world? One word, faith. So now we're going to look at a man who really put faith into action our next world changer on the list is a name you know well. I'm talking about Moses. God put his hand on Moses when he was a little baby. I love his story. It's almost like a fairy tale, but it's 100% true. Now we all know how God providentially protected the little baby Moses uh, in his little waterproof basket floating down the Nile River. Ultimately, he could have become the next pharaoh of Egypt, but when he could have zigged, he zagged. Of course, we know that Moses uh, had his problems, and Moses made his mistakes, and we'll look at a few of those in a moment, but, but let's just get the big picture of who this guy was. Let me just sum it up this way. Moses was a man of God. I didn't say he was a perfect man, because no one is. No woman is either, though they often think so. No, Moses is described in the Bible as the man of God. What a great description. That's Deuteronomy 33, 1. Man, if nothing else was said about you, if someone could just say, you know what? That is a man of God. 
or that is a woman of God. I can't think of a higher compliment. A flawed man, yes. A man of God, also, yes. Let's dig into our scripture now. Go to Hebrews 11. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, uh, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God rather than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. He esteemed the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked forward to the reward. Mm. We'll stop there. Now, just sort of a little backdrop historically. Things were really hard for the Jewish people at this time. Uh, you remember the way the Jews got into Egypt goes back to Joseph. Remember his brother sold him into slavery and he spent time in prison there and because he could interpret the Pharaoh's dream, he became the second most powerful man in the kingdom in charge of the food supply. Well, to Pharaoh, Joseph was a hero. So the Pharaoh said to Joseph, hey, come and live here and bring your family with you. And so uh, all of Joseph's brothers and his extended family moved to Egypt. Now time passes and his family's grown larger. And now we have a lot of Jewish people living in Egypt. But that Pharaoh who favored Joseph has now died and passed from the scene. And another Pharaoh is in his place. And the Bible says this Pharaoh of Egypt did not know Joseph. He did not care about the Jewish people. In fact, he despised the Jewish people. He felt there were too many of them. In fact, this Pharaoh was so wicked, he wanted to eradicate the Jewish people. So he gave a command to the midwives who were involved in delivering the babies. If it's a Jewish baby boy, kill it. I don't want any more boys born into this culture. Pharaoh was sort of a precursor to Adolf Hitler and with his own version of a final solution. Okay, enter a Hebrew couple, Amran and Jochebed. Now, Amran was the father, Jochebed was the mother, and she gave birth to a baby boy. And there was something special about Moses from the start. The Bible actually tells us he was beautiful. Now, when the Bible says someone was beautiful or well-built or tall or whatever distinction it brings out, it's saying it for a reason. Now, I know that we all think our babies are beautiful, but, you know, they actually aren't. Uh, we don't usually say it, but, you know, you see a baby every now and then, you go, oh, you know, they'll grow out of it. <laughs> but then you see babies that are beautiful at birth, and that was Moses, what he must have looked like as a little baby. In fact, over in Acts 7, Stephen adds a little commentary, and he says he was exceedingly fair, and it's interesting because the phrase that Stephen uses doesn't just mean that Moses was an attractive baby physically, but the word that he uses implies that there was a special mission for him or a purpose from God. Do you know that God chose you before you chose him? It was the great preacher Spurgeon who once said, it's a good thing God chose me before I chose him because if he would have waited, he would have changed his mind. You know what? The truth is he chose you before you were born. He chose you when you were still in your mother's womb. Hey, he chose you even before that. You say, well, what if I was born out of wedlock? Well, you were still chosen by God. You know, I found out later in my life that I was conceived out of wedlock and the guy I had thought was my father for years actually was not. 
And that's sort of a discombobulating thing to hear, I have to say. But then I was reminded, no, God chose me and God always knew uh, that I would come and he had a plan for my life just as he has a plan for your life. I love what the psalmist writes in Psalm 139. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts toward me, Lord. They're innumerable. Now that should lay to rest any idea as to when life begins, right? Life begins at conception. Every little baby has a right to live. And God has a plan for their life. I love how David said, your thoughts toward me are innumerable. That could freak you out a little if you think God's thoughts are negative. But in fact, they're the opposite. Because God says in Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. They're thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. So yeah, the Pharaoh wanted to kill all the Jewish baby boys, but God had a plan, especially for little Moses. And maybe you were not expected to live. Um, you know, sometimes little ones face childhood diseases or through life you have a close brush with death. And uh, somehow you survive that. You wonder why, because God is preserving you and he has a work for you to do. Pastor Greg Laurie with good insight on how God wants to use us, sometimes even sparing lives to do so. And next time, some more insight from the example of Moses as Pastor Greg continues his series called World Changes here on A New Beginning. But before we go today, Pastor Greg has an important word to close today's program about the US elections. It's a timely word in the light of our Australian state elections as well. Hey everybody, a few thoughts about this election that's coming up. Your vote matters. Listen, every Christian should register and vote. I cannot emphasize that enough. It's our responsibility. It is our duty, but it is also our privilege. And we really have no right to criticize what's going on in our nation if we don't even take the time to vote for a candidate. I'm not going to tell you who to vote for, but I'll give you some ideas. When I cast my vote, I can tell you there's some things that factor into it. I could talk about a lot of things, but let me just pick two out in particular. Uh, the candidate that will receive my vote will be one that is pro-life. I would never vote for a candidate that would support the aborting of unborn children. Number two, I'm going to vote for a candidate that stands with and supports the nation Israel. God promises a blessing to the people that bless God's people. So those are a couple of things to think about as you go to the voting booth. You vote your conscience, but vote biblically and do vote. Now, if you'd like a copy of Pastor Greg's full message from today, get in touch with Vision Christian Store. It was called A Second Chance for a World Changer. Just go to visionstore.org.au or call 1-800-00-5011. Station sponsor. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.